Our sermon today uh, continues our series, Sibling Rivalry, where we've been walking through the stories of Esau and Jacob and listening to uh, what God might say to, the, to us in the midst of our own conflicts, in the midst of our own struggles and challenges. And so in our first week, we talked about the systemic, kind of bigger, bigger than us types of things that goes into the conflicts and the problems that we have with each other, and that we have our own individual responsibility in the midst of that, which we saw more last week in which Jacob and his mother, Rebecca, uh, decide to go kind of a path too far where uh, their relationship and that family will never be the same. And, and Jacob steals his brother's blessing uh, by dressing up and imitating his brother uh, to get his dad's blessing. And so we ended that story with Jacob and Rebecca and Esau and Isaac all left with how do we move forward from here? Where do we go? And so today we're going to talk about things that do not lead to reconciliation and some things that can lead us to reconciliation. So we're going to start with what doesn't get us to reconciliation. And so I've got five things that I want to share about today that, that don't lead to reconciliation that we see in the life of, of Jacob uh, and his family and the story. Now, where we left off last week, Esau has just learned that his brother uh, has betrayed him, has tricked his dad. And so you might be tempted in the way that Esau was tempted, which is, is to comfort yourself with all sorts of destructive thoughts about what you wish would happen to the person who has wronged you. Uh, this destructive um, comfort, and it's not really comfort because it doesn't actually bring peace, but there's this temptation uh, to consume yourself with thinking about what would happen if they got what they deserved. And so uh, in Genesis 27, verses 41 and 42, here's what the writer says. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of his elder son Esau were told to Rebekah, and so she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is consoling himself by planning to kill you. And maybe you've noticed a part in your life where you had kind of gone down this dark path to consoling yourself with uh, Ill, Ill thoughts about those who have wronged you. Or maybe you've been on the other side of this where uh, you might have wronged someone and you might not even have known that they spent their days and nights comforting themselves by imagining your downfall. Uh, but that's the kind of path that Esau initially takes in the story. And it's in that kind of vein that it's helpful to, uh, to remember the sense of justice in the Old Testament that sometimes is seen as being um, too harsh, right? When we read about the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and that kind of uh, justification of what kind of consequences come uh, someone's way for what they've done wrong, uh, we can kind of hear that as like, well, that seems a little severe. But in the context of uh, when someone wrongs you and you want to escalate violence and you want to escalate harm back on the person who has wronged you, uh, that limitation, just you can only do as much as what was done to you, is a step towards a more just society, uh, one that doesn't just perpetually get more and more uh, violent, more and more uh, destructive. And so as much as we want to strike back in anger, how do we maintain a certain limit to that? 
And so while Jacob deceived and tricked and stole a blessing, Esau then wants to go even beyond that and thinking about murder and fatality of uh, the kind of limits that you, you can't come back from that either. And so don't console yourself uh, with imagining and savoring uh, what might be someone else's downfall. And so if you find yourself savoring and just being like, oh, I can't wait till they get theirs, you're not going to be going down a path that leads to reconciliation where healing might emerge in the midst of that situation. And there's another kind of takeaway that we can have from this text of what things don't lead to reconciliation. And that's running away from the problem. Uh, when Rebecca hears what Esau plans to do to Jacob, she and Jacob talk. And, you know, earlier last week, we talked about how Rebecca said, if there's a curse, I'll take the curse. Don't worry, Jacob. But when she hears what Esau wants to do to Jacob, she doesn't come up with, hey, I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go explain myself. I'm going to go take responsibility. She says, Jacob, it's better for you. You should probably just leave. You know, I've got a brother. He's got a place. Go visit my brother. Stay with him. And when Esau's anger is no longer kindled against you, I will send word and I'll bring you back home. And so that's their kind of plan. And they create their own deception of how to get that plan in place. And, and so she's telling Isaac uh, of her own reasons for wanting Jacob to leave, about who he should marry, and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, their strategy is, let's just let Esau cool off and hope that this will all blow over. And how many times do we do that in our life, where we just think, maybe if I just delay, maybe if I don't talk about it, maybe if I ignore it, maybe if we just act like nothing happened, suddenly everything is going to be better one day. And that just doesn't work because uh, uh, there's a quote that I love and I'm not sure the origin of it. Uh, but the quote is that injustice plus time does not equal justice. Injustice plus time does not equal justice. Uh, if something is done wrong, just adding some extra time into the mix doesn't suddenly make it right. But sometimes we just feel like if, if we just ignore the problem, it'll go away. But ignored problems are still problems. And so you might have noticed in life, and sometimes when someone announces about a problem and says, hey, there's this problem that we should talk about, sometimes they get ostracized as the person that's causing trouble. Like, don't talk about that. Um, but you can't actually get to a better place without talking about it, without actually dealing with it. And fleeing from it won't solve the problem. I do want to put a, a caveat on that note, um, that there are people who it is not safe to stay around. And in this story, it is presumed to not be safe for Jacob to stay around Esau. And so if you are in a situation in which there's threats of violence, yes, uh, get out of uh, those threats, be safe. Um, I don't want to say that that's a wrong thing to do. Um, but what I do want to say is just, there is no reconciliation through separation. Um, and the part about some people are experiencing such threats that they must be apart is that you can't heal with someone who doesn't want to heal. So uh, we'll see Esau reacts differently in the story, but if somebody wants to cause you harm, uh, you can't just suddenly make them not want to cause you harm. Uh, so I do want to say that, that you know, don't imagine this as a call to stay in the midst of violence. Um, 
But ultimately, the big scope, big picture reconciliation, the big picture healing that we long for can't be done if we don't address the problems and actually work towards some sort of resolution, some sort of healing uh, that needs to be done. And we might not see that full healing in this world, in this time, and you might not experience it fully in whatever relationship that you might be in, and people who are in domestic violence and that kind of thing, they might not ever see the fullness of justice that we long for, uh, that we, we hope for, that God will ultimately bring. Uh, and so sometimes we'll not get to that full reconciliation, and separation and safety is all we can hope for for the time being. Um, but big picture... Uh, we know that if you just run away from a problem, it's not actually going to bring the fullness of healing and resolution uh, and reconciliation. I want to move to another type of thing that doesn't actually bring about full reconciliation, that doesn't actually bring the healing that we need, and that is uh, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we think, well, maybe I can fix a situation by doing something that they're going to like, uh, but our motivations do matter, and if it turns out someone realizes, oh, you just did that because uh, it's going to benefit you, you just did that because uh, you have some sort of ulterior motive uh, that undercuts the truth and honesty of justice that brings reconciliation. And so in our story, Rebecca creates this strategy for Isaac and says, hey, if you tell, uh, if you tell Jacob, let's not marry any of these women from around here, let's go find family, uh, go send my, our son away to go... Uh, to my brothers, like, if we do that, he'll be blessed, we'll be blessed, let's do that. And so Esau overhears this, and Esau then, in that text, it says that he then hears that, oh, you know, his father wants to bless his son Jacob, and he wants him to go to Laban and this kind of extended family and have a, take a wife from that family. And so Esau's like, oh, I guess that's what he needs from me. And so then he goes to Ishmael, to a different kind of family member in the line, and finds a wife from that family, thinking that maybe this might bring blessing, maybe this might bring healing, maybe this is what my dad wants. Um, but obviously he has different motivations, he has different things he's trying to accomplish, and it's just kind of that same tragic beat of like, there's so many people in this family who keep trying to reach out, trying to get the, the healing, the fullness, the love, whatever it is that they're lacking, and they do it in ways that don't always work out um, healthily. And so it matters that we do things for the right reason. Um, if we people please uh, to fix a problem, it's not actually getting to the problem. We're just trying to um, kind of wash over it, trying to get around it. Uh, we need to do things for the right reasons. This should be a, a given, but another path that does not lead to reconciliation is continuing on in the same sins, continuing on in the same mistakes, the same destructive behaviors that got us into the problem in the first place. Uh, and, you know, we, we all know those people who have asked for forgiveness, who have made public apologies and all of that, who then we learn later have just completely stayed in the same stuff and the behaviors that got them into the problems the first time. And Jacob in this story It'd be one thing if he deceived his dad and then completely went repentant and said, I'm not going to do that kind of thing again and just changed. But in this story, he goes on and continues a lot of deception. And so in the story, he goes and he finds um, a person that he wants to marry. And so he he's, loves Rachel and her father, Laban, um, tricks him. And Jacob ends up marrying 
her sister, and then gets to marry Rachel. And there's all sorts of weirdness in the story that we could talk about, about marriage in this historical context that, that's being um, talked about. Um, but he kind of gets tricked, and then he takes that back out on Laban, and so he starts tricking Laban by taking all of his uh, livestock. He takes all of his animals through. Um, he says, if, if the animals look this way, they, they'll be mine. If they look like that, they'll be yours. And then he does this weird kind of superstitious ritual to make the animals that are born look like the kinds that he would inherit. And so he ends up gaining all of kind of Laban's possessions and all of his kind of like his wealth. And he's, he's getting all of this growth and development. And then Laban realized what's happening and he gets angry. And Jacob can see it on Laban's face that he doesn't love me in the same way. He doesn't like me in the same way. I better run. And as he just kind of constructs his strategy of how am I going to get out of the situation, he tells his wives that their father, um, that God has like rejected their father and that they need to leave. And he kind of twists the words of God to get them on his side. And so they all gather their stuff up in the middle of the night and they try to run away from Laban. And Laban hears that they're fleeing and he tracks them down and a few days later shows up to Jacob and he's like, hey, what am I supposed to do? Uh, you've got my, my daughters, my grandkids. I, I can't do anything against you even though I know that you've wronged me, but let's make an, an agreement, a covenant that we're not going to harm each other. And he does give this great kind of stereotypical um, kind of uh, parent note to this suitor of his daughters. Uh, Laban says, if you touch my daughters, if you harm them, or if you take any other wives, uh, God will know. And he's kind of like, don't you dare uh, hurt my family that's going with you. Um, but Jacob's continual like deception uh, just leads to new problems. Now he's traveled away and Laban now is sending him back away that he, he can't stay there anymore. He's burned those bridges. And so now he has to go back to Esau, not knowing how Esau will respond, not knowing if Esau's anger is still kindled against him or not. Uh, and so he's kind of burnt through his opportunities and he's got to face his brother. And so he's got one more strategy he might try and he starts trying to flatter his brother and he sends some messengers back saying, Hey, tell him, you know, call Esau, my Lord, tell him he's getting all these gifts and maybe he might um, receive me and might uh, accept me and maybe I can kind of dole down his anger uh, with flattery. And so we sometimes try that strategy on people of maybe if I just give you some nice words, maybe you'll um, accept me, maybe you'll think that I'm um, one of your group or whatever it is. And so Jacob's tried all of these strategies, and it's at this part of the story we start seeing some different strategies from Jacob, and ones that I think more lend themselves to a possibility that maybe we might be able to reconcile with people. And so Jacob starts praying, and he starts praying to God, and he says, I am not worthy. And I love that Jacob starts praying about, you know, I don't really necessarily deserve any blessing. I don't necessarily deserve any good things here. I know I've kind of messed some things up. And so the way that he says it in Genesis 32 verses 9 and 10, he says, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, I will do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. 
For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies of people, all, all of this people and stuff. You know, we had Jacob admit earlier in the story when his, his mother came up with their plan to trick their dad that, you know, if he catches me, he might curse me. And so we know that he knows he's done something wrong. But this is one of the first times that he's just kind of admitted to God saying, you know, I'm really not worthy of your intervention here. I'm not really worthy of you treating me so well. Like, how am I going home with all this stuff when I I know I haven't deserved it? And there's an honesty with God that's really needed for us to get to a place of healing and reconciliation with people of, um, can I be honest about my situation? Can I be honest about where I've gone wrong or what I've done that's lacking? Uh, And approaching your situation with honesty is so important. And, you know, if somebody was trying to apologize or ask for forgiveness for you or trying to restore a relationship with you, but was never willing to be honest about the problems that, that even created the rift, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to have an actual reconciliation if there's not honesty. Like, it's just essential. And so Jacob is at least willing in this moment to pray and to admit he's not been worthy of the goodness that God has already given him. And as he goes on, uh, he does another thing that leads to reconciliation. He asks for God's help, God's deliverance of, you know, I'm stuck here. I don't know what I can do. God, I need your deliverance. Deliver me. I, I don't know how to get out of this. And Jacob has kind of been able to scheme his way through life. And he's finally kind of hitting this point. He's like, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to rely on God because I'm out of options here. I'm going to try some things, but like I know ultimately it's up to, to God because I can't do enough to fix this situation. And I think there is that inclination for us to get to that spot. Sometimes I think we delay too long to get to that spot of asking God, of like, God, I, I can't do this on my own. I just need help. Uh, and... Uh, the honesty of not being worthy and the honesty of recognizing what God can do uh, that we can't do on our own. And that opens up some avenues for what God uh, might do through you and in the midst of your situation. Now, there's something that I mentioned earlier is not necessarily going to be helpful to getting into reconciliation if you're just trying to flatter someone and say, maybe I can buy forgiveness and give you a bunch of stuff. But there is a different heart situation about maybe Jacob, if we take him in the most positive way, maybe he decides that he's going to start sending some gifts to Esau. And he's got a list here in Genesis 32 about what he's sending to his brother. Um, But maybe he's doing that as a restitution, as I know I've harmed you. I need to restore some things to you. I know I need to pay up because I've done damage to this situation and to you and to our relationship. And so it talks about him sending uh, goats and rams and camels and colts and cows and donkeys and all sorts of stuff. And so if you have done damage to someone, it does go uh, a ways towards that healing and and reconciliation to be like, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to try to repair, to try to restore and especially as Jacob is someone who keeps trying to take and get things for himself, uh, I do think it can be seen as an act of him trying to figure out, is there anything I can give over to you to make this better? Uh, and the, the difference between 
what can I do to help make this better? And can I just pay you off is a heart motivation thing. And it's really hard to know what someone's motivation uh, for that restitution. But perhaps in a good way, maybe Jacob is trying um, to make amends, knowing that he has taken much from his family. And so Jacob is on this path. He's going back to his brother. He's sending all these gifts in front of him. And he's also hedging his bets. He's sending family and certain kind of distinctions, the ones that are more on his outer fringes of his family. Again, the favoritism reemerges in this family situation. Uh, they're the first waves that Esau will meet. And he kind of gets the ones that are closer to him. He keeps closest to him um, as this concentric circles kind of make their way out to Esau. And he really doesn't know what's going to happen because when, when messengers go to Esau and say, your brother's coming and he wants to send you gifts, Esau gets 400 men and starts coming Jacob's way. And, he, and Jacob assumes he's got a war party ready to come and, and take out that murder that he had been hoping for so many years earlier. And so it's on this journey that Jacob has an encounter uh, with a, a man that the text doesn't say exactly who this man is, but he's going to have this wrestling encounter through the night. And I feel like so many Christian traditions that, at least that I've been around, always just read that simply as God that he's wrestling with. Uh, you might be surprised that most Jewish interpretations don't go that direction. Um, it's everything from kind of like a spirit kind of presence that's supposed to be Esau's presence coming before him and then wrestling before you get to the physical Esau. Um, to just a random stranger, to being um, all sorts of weird spiritual world kinds of stuff. Um, but we just don't know who this person is. But Jacob is wrestling through the night. And I'm going to read what it says happened. And so he, he wrestled with the man until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint and he, as he wrestled with him. And in the midst of this wrestling... Uh, the man tells him, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. And so Jacob gets a new name about his character of, you're just one who keeps struggling both with God and with man. Like you, you're always in this constant struggle. And that name might not necessarily sound like super positive. Like that's still like, it's an interesting name, but there is something to like, to get to a place of healing, we have to be changed people and taking on a new name, taking on a new identity of being a changed person of, you can't just go back the same of like, how are you developing into the person that God calls you into being so that when you heal, you're healing with God and you're healing with your neighbor and you might actually get to a place where healing is possible uh, because you haven't neglected yourself that even I need to change. And if I, uh, if I only want somebody else to change, uh, we're not, probably not getting to reconciliation. And so Jacob gets this name change, this identity change. And I think it's important to be generous with folks. Of um, There's times where someone says, hey, I'm a new person. Maybe they've even just gone all the way into, here's my new name, of not uh, kind of attacking that person by just rejecting altogether this new name and rejecting that they might be a new person, but to be generous and willing to see and encounter that person as they are now and not with the baggage of who they've been. Of maybe, Let's see if this is the new person in front of me. Let's see if you're this new 
Israel or not. And so uh, Jacob's going to go home, but he's not going to go home as he left. He's going to come back as Israel. And maybe that's a chance that there's a new way forward, a new identity, because he's not just saying, I hope Esau changed, but, you know, I've changed on this journey too. And in the midst of that change, in the midst of that wrestling, uh, when that man strikes his hip socket and knocks his hip out of joint, uh, Jacob leaves as the sun's rising and he passes by this, this place and he's limping because of his hip. And there's some times where we have to understand pain to be able to empathize, to be able to move forward with somebody. Uh, you know, it's hard for somebody to ask for forgiveness, to seek reconciliation if they're not even aware of the pain somebody is going through. And maybe Jacob needs to experience a little bit and understand a little bit of that pain as he's hobbling back home that he can start to understand the pain that Esau is going through. And we all kind of have this conception about, you know, you have to hit rock bottom. You know, like maybe somebody won't change until they just have no other avenues. And so Jacob's gone on this trip and yeah, he's coming back with all these, this family and kids and all of this possessions, but he's also coming back uh, hobbling and having lost out on his relationship with Laban and not knowing what his relationship will be back home. And maybe a little bit of that pain is starting to come out where he's able to say things like, I'm not worthy, where he's able to try to figure out how to have a, a relationship again and to encounter his brother and to stop running from it, but having to run back to it. And so maybe there's been a painful moment in your life that we would never want for ourselves, but maybe you can see in the midst of that pain an avenue into understanding somebody else's pain, an avenue into helping uh, heal uh, with others who are also broken, with those who are hurting. And so with all of these things, Jacob heads back to Esau. And next week we'll see what Esau will do and what Jacob's experience of encountering each other after, uh, after so many years apart looks like. But I just want to encourage you to think about what avenues you're taking. If you've got a relationship that's been broken, if that's family, if that's friends, if that's neighbors, coworkers, think about what strategies have I been taking uh, to heal this relationship? Uh, and you can start with, are there some negative things that I'm doing that I should avoid, that I need to stop, I need to kind of move away from? Are we trying to comfort ourselves with evil thoughts? Don't don't comfort yourself with with thoughts and savoring uh, destruction, but seek life and healing. Um, don't assume that running away from problems is just going to fix it. Stop ignoring some problems if there's if it's safe to do so. Show up to figure out how to fix what is broken. Uh, examine yourself. You might say, "I've done all the right things." What are your motivations? You know, don't do the, the right thing for the wrong reasons. Don't continue to do harm, to sin, to, to keep messing up the same way. And when we ask for forgiveness, if you say that you want to repent, remember that means to turn away from those things. Uh, turn away. Actually try and, and actually allow God to work in those spaces. And uh, when you ask for forgiveness, uh, Ask for God's help to help you never go down that path again. And don't try to just buy your way out with flattery or gifts or just kind of use your speech to get out of trouble. 
uh, do that internal work that it takes to get to a place of healing. And so start by being honest with yourself, with God. You know, spending time in prayer where you just say, God, here's where I've messed up. Here's where I feel like I'm missing something in life. Here's where uh, I'm, I'm lonely. Here's where I'm missing this relationship that I wish was fixed. Uh, just be honest with God. Pray to God for deliverance, for healing, for whatever it is that needs transformation uh, and being willing to be a part of that transformation. You know, be willing for the name change. Be willing for the identity change that, uh, you know, Brian a few weeks back talked about being uh, first-year Christians for 30 years. You know, are we actually willing for God to transform our identity that we might take on a new name and that the name that God gives us, might, we might live into and, and live out that identity? Uh, if you are giving gifts to anybody, uh, make sure it's with the right motivation in that, that you're trying to restore what's broken, not just trying to buy your way out of it. And lastly, um, contemplate how your pain, whatever that has hobbled you, um, how that actually brings you together with those that you have harmed, with those who have been harmed in this world, uh, and seek to find healing, um, not just for yourself, but for those that you have also hurt and who have been hurt. And so find that empathy and that compassion for your family, your neighbor, uh, your enemy, whoever that is, uh, in the midst of pain, not hiding from it, not running from it. And so as you contemplate all those things and think about how your relationships uh, that you wish might be restored or renewed, think about the ways and the paths you're taking towards reconciliation. And most of all, uh, just go to God and let God speak uh, truth and wisdom into where you are headed. And so would you just join me in prayer? Lord God, I thank you so much that you uh, do have a name for us, that you know us by name. Lord, help us to hear your voice in the midst of whatever distractions and confusions and, and, and brokenness that is around us. Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves and what we need to repent of, what we need to have changed and transformed in us, and that we, we often are, are more at fault, more into the midst of the conflict that we, we are in the midst of. Uh, it's not just somebody else that has done something wrong, that we have things to work on too. And Lord, help us to uh, not seek to run away, but to, to find out how to lean into you and into the healing that you're doing in the world around us. Lord, I ask for all who, are, who have been injured, who have been harmed, metaphorically or actually literally. Lord, we long for your peace and your justice and your healing. And we ask that you might comfort those who are, who are weeping today, who are mourning loss. Uh, Lord, help us to um, not go through each day just kind of complacent and ignoring the problems of this world, but that we might have a heart for those who are hurting. And if we're the ones hurting, Lord, help turn our hearts to you uh, where healing happens. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.